Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hello, world. Welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, the show where I bring you some movers and shakers every week. And joining us today from his home in suburban Indianapolis, author and writer of the much-anticipated blog post, Blood and Cadillacs, James Breakwell is here. And James, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come on the show. Every week, your shtick confuses me just a little bit more. Today, you were, you were tone-shaming me. I answered you in a completely normal what? tone of voice, and it set you off again. No matter how I answer the it phone. Was... Hello. That, that's what I got, I, like I, a newscaster from 1954. Do I need to be, like, super chipper? Can I just answer you like a regular, normal adult? I, I, I guess I didn't realize it's a performance every time I answer the phone with you. I am, I am but a clown to entertain you with my verbal interjections. <laughs> James, I need to feel loved. That's all I'm saying. My needs are few, and yet so important. Well, if you need to feel loved, you will be waiting for literally your entire life. You might be the most unlovable person in the history of the world, as can be attested to by a certain nest of rattlesnakes who we all know are nature's <laughs> cuddle bugs and shy away yeah. from everything, yet somehow we're pogo sticking up in the air trying to kill you, uh, which filled my wife and I with much yeah. delight. Uh, honestly, your YouTube, your, your, every, every time I get a text from you with a video, it just fills my life with joy, and I immediately play it for both of us to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... It's a very different feeling when you're sort of alone in the world with a giant rattlesnake. And this son of a gun was bigger than anything you see on TV, that's for sure. And not only was it long, but it was about as big around as my forearm. Like, these things are not small creatures, James. You know, last week you were giving me so much crap about not making friends with my neighbors. And it's really just one neighbor yeah. out of all the neighbors. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Steve hated yeah. his neighbors so much that he abandoned civilization to go live with <laughs> rattlesnakes. And I don't hear you talking about going back. You're still just hanging out with the rattlesnakes. That's how much you hate neighbors. And I think, you know what? I'll take crotchety neighbors over things that are literally trying to kill me. Because that, uh, that sounds, quite frankly, terrifying. You know, I took a video with a rattlesnake a, a couple, three weeks ago, and it was passive. It was just doing its own thing. And I walked up and took a video of it, and it just continued doing its own thing. We happily coexisted. This one, this one wanted me dead, James, and was just no holds barred going to do whatever it took to make sure it came to that conclusion. Well, I, th I sent you an article right after that because I, I had read it yes, the same did. day. They, like, with some fun rattlesnake facts, like 5,000 people get bit a year by rattlesnakes, and only five of them die. Just a lucky five. One in a thousand. <laughs> but one, of the, one of the people who died that very day or like within a few days of your attack was the world's leading eastern diamondback rattlesnake expert. But he was in his 80s. But your health is, I don't know, I would put you at the health of an 80-year-old. Like, you're probably equally vulnerable. So if I were you... 
I would try not to get bitten by a rattlesnake. That is my that is my life advice for today. Uh, I was doing my best to follow that advice, so I think you and I are simpatico with regard to that thought. I mean, you spend 90% of your life on that lawnmower just seeking out rattlesnakes. <laughs> Why don't you just leave the grass alone and go back inside your house? Matt, the problem is the tra the the bam, the mower, It's it was out of commission for a couple, probably a little over two weeks, and it actually rained during that two weeks, and I hadn't, I, I was getting ready to cut the grass. So it had been like a week and a half or two weeks since. So the point is the grass was tall. And uh, when I turned the corner to go into that little cove where the video was shot, the rattlesnake immediately like postured up on me. And they don't, they don't come up like a cobra. They sort of come up and then there is a U-turn and their head sticks up from that U-turn. So they're a little bit coiled when they come up. And it was coming up and looking at me, and I could see it from a good distance off. And I thought, well, surely the darn thing is going to run, right? That's what animals do. And I came closer and closer, and it didn't run. It sort of sunk back down into the grass, and that's when I shot that video that you saw. And it turned out it was more than one. They were sort of writhing. It looked like that scene from Temple of Doom with Indiana Jones. And so as I'm marveling at this, shooting the video, thinking, oh, I'll get another sweet video with a cuddly rattlesnake, that thing turned and started coming at me. And I'm sitting on a 5,000-pound tractor that's roaring underneath me, and it did not care one bit. So I circled around and thought, let me go around behind it because I was in between the snake and the woods. I thought, let me go around behind it and sort of like uh, ease it into the woods, but nope, the thing postured up again and started coming at me again. And I thought, I'm out of here. This is not working out the way I had intended. And my life is more valuable than getting another good video to send to Breakwell. Okay, first of all, you vastly overestimate the value of your life. I mean, let's let's be clear here. Your, your math is off. Second of all, I think a normal person that saw a deadly snake like posing up in a don't mess with me stance from a distance yeah. would not decrease that distance to keep mowing. Like you couldn't wait to mow for another day or like an extra hour. Like you are like, oh, there's a dangerous snake. Better keep driving. I, I don't follow the logic. <laughs> If I left that patch unmowed, it would bother me, James. It would just lay out there unmowed, and I would know it while I was asleep. It, it would haunt me. It really would. More than the snake lunging at you haunts you now? Well, apparently not, because I ended up abandoning that patch of earth. <laughs> And I uh, just sort of let the snakes have their way with each other. I did mow that area yesterday, but it was after my wife drove up in her Jeep and made sure the snakes were gone. I mean, that's a, that's a fair approach. So does she just like drive over the ground again and again to run over anything that might be alive? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is I ran back home and told her about it. And she said, we got to go see. So we were in her Jeep and the way the sun was positioned, the snake started to crawl toward the woods. Obviously, it's afraid of a Jeep, but not a giant lawnmower. And I said, gun the engine, gun the engine. We're going to run it over. And she said, I can't see. I said, just go straight, just go straight. <laughs> and uh, she, she missed it. By the time she rolled forward, the snake was already in the woods. So it had uh, taken its leave of us, if you will.
But that was one snake. I mean, how many snakes would you say total? Because you described this as a temple of, uh, well, I think you said Temple of Doom, but I believe you're getting confused on your movies. I believe it was the Last Crusade in that Egyptian temple that had it in there. No, it was, well, we're both wrong. It was actually the first one, yeah, Raiders the, of the Lost that, that, That's Ark. what I meant. Yeah, yeah. The, the one where they melt the Nazi faces, are going for the Ark yeah, of the yeah, Covenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's that, it's that Egyptian temple down there. I, I always, yeah. I call everything the Last Crusade, but that is clearly not correct. That's a shame. I was about to actually you, and then I got my own facts wrong. I was thinking of the right thing, but said the wrong thing, because you <laughs> bring out the worst in me. The point being, you were also wrong, and that, that's what matters. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. But the condescending one, he was more wrong than me because you were going the wrong direction in terms of timeline. No, so I, I'm gonna you knew exactly what I meant. There's no snakes in the Temple of Doom or the Last Crusade. It's all in Raiders <laughs> of the Ark. Come on. Lost. Lost, lost Ark. Ark. Yeah. Lost Ark. Yeah. Actually, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, it's not lost if they found it. Then they put it in that giant warehouse, which they go back yeah. to in the Crystal Skull. Are we counting no. that as an Indiana Jones movie? No, that was a disaster. God, you, that was a horrible You know, movie. I think they're all kind of bad if you watch them objectively. What? And our standards have just been going up. It's kind of like how my kids like the Star Wars prequels because they saw all the Star Wars movies at the same time. And the prequels, outside of the first one, they kind of have like – they have more exciting moments to, to bring them in. And a lot of the original Star Wars movies are kind of slow. Indiana Jones is the same way. They're like, oh, my gosh, this last one is so hokey. This is ridiculous. I mean, come on. We have <laughs> we have a box from God that melts people's faces. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's totally plausible. <laughs> Nothing corny about that. Then we go to Aliens. We're what? like, whoa, whoa, you just crossed a line. Like, what line? There was another one where a guy was, like, eating hearts to be immortal. Like, it was always ridiculous. But, like, in the yes. 80s, we just had no taste. We're like, well, science isn't real. Everything's magic. This is plausible. And then we get into the 2000s and we're like, aliens, no. I draw the line here. I think if you watch you know, for the- for half of the 80s, for half the 80s, we had no James Breakwell, and it was a glorious, simpler time. You did have me for half of the 80s, and uh, I was there ruining everybody's fun. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, you're <laughs> continuing the trend. What can I say? That is my specialty. But uh, let's get an update on Breakwell's state of affairs also, as uh, he's had things explode inside his body. And how is the mend coming with you, sir? Well, I get my 20-pound weight restriction lifted this Friday. So I feel pretty normal, and I think the weight restriction is there specifically because I should not be doing things when I feel normal. Because I am not normal now or at any other point <laughs> in my life. And, of course, suddenly wow. we went to that daddy-daughter dance the other day. My kids like, lift me, lift me. I'm like, this is exactly what he told me not to do. And then I did it. So I've, I've moved around some furniture and things. I'm getting real tempted to mow my lawn. I had a neighbor mow my lawn once, and uh, I felt terrible about it. First yeah. time in my life, somebody else has mowed my lawn and uh it killed me inside so so i'm slowly getting back to more regular activities i'm not going to be all the way back up to speedy setup for six to eight weeks but i think after the two week mark i'm just going to go for it and start making really bad life decisions because that's just kind of how i live now, are you done with doctors, or do you have to do a surgical follow-up, or how does that my uh, my fine Yeah, I'm done with doctors. I finished my antibiotics. My last doctor visit, he's like, all right, take a big breath. And I took a breath, and he yanked out my tube. Just literally yanked it. Oh! That was, that was oh! all there was to it. It hurt for half a second, and I was done, and I was so grateful to have that stupid thing out. Oh, granted, there were a couple stitches holding it in, so first he cut the stitches, then he yanked it out. Oh! 
Then he slapped a Band-Aid over it. There was no stitch. There was no oh. glue. He's like, we got to leave a hole there because that tube was pretty gross oh. and it was putting bacteria inside you. So we'll just put a big Band-Aid there. It'll be fine. And you know what? 24 hours later, it oh. was fine. That hole sealed right up because I am amazing and unkillable. So weakness I and... I am traumatized and possibly on the verge of vomiting. You know what? On my Substack account, which all the listeners here should absolutely oh. join, even if you just join for free, you get the best newsletter stories. Way better than listening to me retell them with Steve. It's much better to hear it straight from the source <laughs> in written form. But anyway, on there, one of the comments oh. I got to my almost died story was somebody's like, oh yeah, just so you know, when I had my tube pulled out, it was excruciating. And he put it in all caps. And I'm sitting there with the tube still on my body thinking, why would you tell me that? The only thing I was looking forward to in the world was having that tube out. And then I had a day and a half to fear it. But it turned out I really didn't have anything to fear. Like, again, one big jerk. It was gone. I'm glad it happened that way. And life is good. I was free. Well, I have to go through one big jerk every week also. (laughs) But we'll get through this episode. When the doctor pulled it out, did you know that's what was coming, or yeah. was it sort of a sneak attack? I knew, I knew what was coming. I didn't know. Okay, so I didn't know it was going to be that fast. I thought it was going to take. I thought he was going to say take one big breath, and he would kind of gradually yeah. pull it out like a magician <laughs> pulling out like the scarves from their sleeves. I didn't know he was going to be take a big breath. Now it's out. So uh, it was just. And he, I was like, well, what happened? He's like, yeah, I, I learned that. Yeah, I, back when I was a resident, I used to do it slow. But he's like, now I just, I just yank it. And it was like, oh, that, that was the right call. <laughs> he clearly knew what was going on. That guy went to a million years of medical school to learn to just pull that thing like he was jerking a big bass out of the water. Wow. Did you need him to do it or could you have done it like in the bathtub? I could have done it if I had cut the stitch. I definitely could have, but I would have been nervous because, like, again, so that big jerk pulled out, like, 18 inches of tube that was inside me. Like, it was Jesus in there and wrapped God, around. Man. Like, had I done it, I would have done it slowly, and it would have just kept coming and coming and coming, and I would have been thoroughly demoralized and traumatized. So I'm glad he did it while I was staring at the ceiling. Oh, my God. Did you feel it exiting your body? I felt one jolt of pain at the entrance hole and that was it i felt nothing in my innards they were they were dead to me which was spectacular well well i mean i wouldn't have it any other way with you but (laughs) so it 18 inches that might be a little bit exaggerated but i can't imagine too much you're pretty I mean, rational when you talk about this. okay so i mean like literally he pulled it i was afterwards i was like so how much was in there so he went back in the he put gloves back on went back in the trash can and pulled it out so it went from the left side of my body all the way across and then doubled back to the middle like around where my oh, bladder yeah. is so i mean that's yeah if you if you think about just how wide your torso is that's about how long it would be to go across your body and then double back halfway yeah yeah and you didn't feel it like worming its way out of you inside you know what human bodies are apparently not as complex as we think (laughs) sometimes you can just (laughs) jerk stuff out you don't really have nerves in there you only have nerves in like certain places so like if your appendix is blowing up on top of your bladder you feel that but you don't like feel the appendix itself you feel the collateral damage i think it's the same way like most of those organs and stuff that that you know that tube whipped around and hit they don't like have nerves sitting on the top because you don't want to know what the top of your intestines feels like (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but you want to feel if there's like a live animal crawling around in there, don't you? I mean, I would like to be aware of it before it got me hospitalized. That's what I learned from this. But now that I know how the medical <laughs> establishment works, you go in there once and they say you're not dead enough. Come back in 36 hours. That's that is the way. Oh, my God. This is why reading your newsletter will not get you the full feel and impact <laughs> On a very visceral level of what James is talking about. No, it will get you everything. Definitely don't listen to Steve. Go read the newsletter. <laughs> Jesus. I don't want to anymore. I've already heard enough. You know, the funny thing is, so you had an 18-inch... What did you call that thing? You said it's not a catheter. What is the word for it? It was, it was, like a, drainage it was, a, it was a drainage tube. It was like a culvert in my side. Yeah, just draining the sludge out. Did it drain sludge the whole time? No, it started draining just regular fluid. I thought at first that, like, you know, if I were normal, if I weren't dying, that there wouldn't be any fluid in there. But I guess there's always kind of fluid. But it just, when it started out, because it had all the pus and stuff from the exploded appendix, it was, like, dark pink. Like, think the slime from Ghostbusters 2. That's what it looked like. And by the end, when I was healthy and had killed all the poison I had filled my body with, it was clear and yellowish. So I had I had gone from Ghostbuster slime to, like, dirty Kool-Aid. Or dirty lemonade, I would say. Have I traumatized you again? last episode of Wrong and Wronger. <laughs> you keep asking these complex, or not complex, very specific medical questions with very specific <laughs> answers. If you don't well, want the answer, don't ask the question. <laughs> Maybe it's the level of detail that's troubling to me, James. <laughs> I can't. I asked a yes-no question, and you gave, like, a dissertation in response. This is a Breakwell issue, not an Olivas issue. It is. You know what? When that snake finally bites you, and you go to the hospital for it, <laughs> you can go into as much detail as you want about how they suck the poison uh, out. Uh, just the reason I was asking, which has been long forgotten and <laughs> just feeling emotionally buried by your response, was uh, how do they know when it's time to pull it out? Like, you were still draining stuff. Like, don't I, you I gotta wait till it's dry? told you. It's the color. That's all they cared about is the color. If it's dark pink and you can't see through it, that means you still got a lot of poison in there. You're still all infected. But once it turns clear or clearish yellow, it means they've got it out. And now they're just draining the normal fluids in there. And so... What happens to that clear yellow fluid when we don't have a tube in us? I don't have an answer to that. I guess it just kind of circles, cycles through. I guess you always got some fluids in there. See, I thought at first it would eventually just run dry. And I mean, the volume did yeah. go down. But no, I guess there's always some stuff in there. And you know what? I was like all ready to like, you know, downplay how much pink there had been and to make my <laughs> argument for why that tube should come out. He didn't even ask. He didn't ask a single question about what had been in that tube. I went in there, he yanked it, and we we were done. I was like, so are there more follow-up visits? He's like, nope, that's it. Because your appendix can only explode once. And that thing's gone. So problem solved. All right. And I guess if there was any residual bacteria, you would develop a fever or something. Like there would be some symptom that lets them know we didn't get it all. Yes. Right? If I develop a fever or start dying, I am supposed to go back. Dying is an adverse effect that should be reported. 
Did they give you paperwork on that so they, that you didn't have to Google if that was correct? They did not. I uh, I am just taking the word of a surgeon who was probably my age or slightly younger, which is always a little disconcerting. <laughs> he was very confident and very strong for yanking out that tube. So I, I felt like he knew what he was Jeez. doing. But again, I was biased because, you know, I, I the first time I met him, I'd already gone through two doses of fentanyl. And by then I was on morphine, which I thought was a step up. My wife told me later was actually a step down. So I was laying there yeah. in septic shock. And this person... I've never seen before my life walks in. He's like, so I'm going to be rummaging around in your innards. Nice to meet you. It's like, super good luck to you, sir. So, uh, wow. what a, that's a great pickup line. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just ignore the implications there, but all right. Yeah. So, uh, so the tube came all out, right. the appendix came out. I am good to go and I am done being, I am done almost dying. So from here on out, all near-death experiences will be yours and yours alone. You know, I was going to add that, uh, and this definitely lends credence to the fact that I'm tougher than Breakwell. <laughs> when I had that catheter several years ago, you remember when I sang the Justin Bieber song, Half Delirious on Painkillers, I had to take my own catheter out. And oh. it was uh, it was probably eight or nine inches that came out, too. So... I, I have a family member who's had to deal with a catheter recently, and they have told me in vivid detail about the catheter because it's been in for a prolonged yeah. period of time. And that has yeah. become my nightmare, my primary fear. In fact, as yeah. I was laying there dying, my main concern was, are you going to give me a catheter? And yeah. uh, <laughs> did I talk about that last week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're. Uh, yeah. We're, okay. But you're not wrong. We will not, not. We wrong. will not revisit no. that territory. Then we are done, and the topic of catheters is closed for now and all time. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, there's so much more I could add to that, but I, it. I don't. It. It was traumatic for me as well. But let me say, I, like you, felt once it was out, there was a wave of relief that cannot be put into words, James. So I know exactly how the clouds parted and the Alleluia Chorus started to sing when that sucker exited your body. Yeah, and again, mine was significantly less restrictive than yours. But at the same time, it's like I can't really consider myself on the road back when I have a bag of fluid hanging on my side. Like, <laughs> and it's just, I know it's superficial, but like, I didn't want to go out in public or do things, not that I had the energy to anyway but it's like people are gonna stare and i don't want to explain a hundred times how i almost died it's like no no don't worry this is a sign i'm getting better not worse it's just gonna it's just gonna raise lots of questions and so i stayed inside and when the bag came off i was free to be as antisocial as i always am but antisocial by yes. choice rather than necessity yes and that it just the the fruit always tastes sweeter that way James. yes yes Oh, well, this has certainly gone a different direction than I expected it to for the show today, especially after you answered the phone like uh, the <laughs> World War One drill sergeant. Like, hey, uh, I, but, for the life of me, cannot figure out how you want me to answer the phone. Like, I was like, I want Hi! You to be... how are you doing, Steve? Yes, <laughs> Is that what you're yes, <laughs> yes. Think middle school girl who just got tickets to see Hillary Duff. I, wait, who's popular now? I don't even know nowadays. But I think she's got what? like three kids now. I think you. I think you missed the boat a bit on that. Yeah, yeah. She's Maybe 14. not three. No, I'm pretty sure she's my age, if not a year or two older. Oh, that's just wrong. 
All right. That is the name of the yeah, podcast. I bet her appendix is fully functioning. <laughs> Probably those rich Mine people is they pink have and plump and glowing. They have masseuses go in there and massage their appendixes back to health. They don't get them cut out and have tubes yanked out and hotel. Tell me, you just made that up right out of your head. The appendix massages. Did it sound plausible right enough that you would hell. even ask? The, yes, I made it up. I make up everything I tell you. Come on, Steve. <laughs> okay, good. I don't know. Once an <laughs> appendix starts going south, can you bring it back? Yeah, actually. Can my, you breathe life back into it? My wife had a uh, a coworker whose appendix would have like a flare up every year, and they would just give her a, like uh, antibiotics to knock it back down. It's like, shouldn't you take that out? They're like, ah, the, the the antibiotics are fixing it. Like four years in a row, she took antibiotics, so they finally took it out, and that just seems like. Uh, uh, just playing with a time bomb. Like, I don't know why you would ever do that, but I don't understand how medical science works. I don't know why you would send a healthy 37-year-old male who comes into the emergency room in the middle of the night with abdominal pain. I don't know why you just send him home and say, it's probably nothing, because I don't know. It just, uh, so many questions. It seems like they're leaving money on the table at the very least. Yeah, right? I wouldn't let him take out anything. Take the organ of your choice. What do I know? Like, <laughs> all I know for sure is the diagnosis probably isn't nothing. Like, I'm pretty sure that one, that one is wrong. Uh, gas. They gave you gas. Like, you had something to hang is, your hat on. Like, I broached the gas idea like they never even suggested it or endorsed it oh. it's like i was like so i like could it be just stuck gas and it's basically got a shrug they had no idea what it was they endorsed no theory whatsoever other than take some over the counter winter painkillers and go home which is what i did i followed the medical advice throughout this entire process good <laughs> and bad because i am exactly as dumb as i look wow well that's Quite a lofty statement there, James, but okay. <laughs> well, despite uh, the cringe factor of today's show, we got to let this whole thing go for another week. Are, are you going to be okay this week, James, or do I have to shop for a new co-host? I am getting better and stronger by the hour. It is you who's making me relive these medical traumas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not just you and I. We have like three people that right now have pushed their lunch aside so oh. that they can just continue their day. But uh, yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it for another week. We'll get back to you next week where hopefully we can talk about leprechauns and unicorns and rainbows and all kinds of skittly things. But until then, this is Steve, still the most normalest one amongst us, Olivas, and James, he is the one against which I look normal break well, saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember, two wrongs can make a right.